welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. And I'm Sean German from Spinal Tap Minute. And I'm Dave Pounce from Five Minutes of Mystery. And how does the maid know that he's a virgin? Did she like look under his leg or something? <laughs> <laughs> but that's for another time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's like that's a, like a myth. That's an you can't really tell. <laughs> but look at him. He kinda he definitely gives off a virgin vibe. Because his head's in the notes, man. He's writing notes. He's writing music up. He doesn't got time to bang these women, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's like, I can't look at these women because I gotta get these notes down, man. We gotta get the gotta get this letter out to the Rolling Stones. He, he he hasn't hit on me, therefore he's a virgin. Is that it? Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, it looked like he was given he was given Penny eyes. So like, I wouldn't blame him if he had yeah. a crush on Penny or mm-hmm. Lewis Sapphire or one of the other women. But yeah, he, he's 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 all about the work first. Oh yeah, he's definitely got a thing for Penny. Um, he doesn't know exactly what to do about it though. Yeah, because he's a virgin. I have a thing for Penny until like I saw Kurt Russell, and then I was like, oh, never mind. Like, I just... <laughs> What's wrong with Kurt Russell? Nothing. That's or just problem. out of respect, <laughs> you would you wouldn't do it. I don't know. Like, I was like, he's so like, awesome. Like, in a hypothetical, like, I see Kate Hudson and she's like, Hey, you want to come over? Like, he's like, She's like, Oh, my folks are making dinner. I'm like, Yeah, sure. And then I walk in and like, Kurt Russell walks in and he, like, you know, throws a knife down the table. He's like, Great. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. And in this in this scenario, he has a mullet and he has the, yeah. the Jack Burton uh, sleeveless tee. And we're like, Yeah. And, and then I just, and then I just talk to him the whole time and I just keep calling him Jack. <laughs> and he keeps responding as Jack in the third person. <laughs> well, you know, all Jack says, like, yeah, what does Jack say? <laughs> and that's me. That's me and my date with Kate Hudson, everybody. <laughs> and uh, okay. Okay, so this is uh, minute 43, and it starts with <laughs> Sapphire telling Elaine about William and ends with William assuring Russell about the article. Mm hmm. So yeah, I like this little the little tap dance, you know, the impromptu speech that Sapphire comes up with after learning she's not talking to uh to Marianne with the pot. Um and I think she says she says some good things. And certainly what she thinks are good things. Mm-hmm. I don't know of Elaine. I don't know I and and it seems like just what she says, it's all like good stuff. I guess it's gotta be it's not the message as much as the messenger. That is not oppressing Elaine. Like the look on her face is, <laughs> yeah. Like just like if, if looks could kill through a telephone. <laughs> yeah, dad. And it's like this up. woman is complimenting you. Like you, you've obviously been a great mother because you've raised this great son. And Elaine has the look like like it's an insult. Like whatever you say to me, I I'm not gonna like it because I don't like you. I don't like your lifestyle. I don't like your clothes. I don't like anything. She doesn't even look see her. She can't even right. see Sapphire. She knows <laughs> yeah. she's wearing. She's wearing. She's like she's probably wearing some creepy tube top, and she's showing her. You know, it's like that. And like, just... yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Frances McDormand at like seconds eleven, twelve. She's got these eyes darting kind of back and forth horizontally. You know, con- con- somewhat confused. I think. Um. <laughs> But then, yeah, I mean, but then, it, but then at second seventeen, she she 
she uh, blinks her eyes, kind of. I mean, just dismissively that this is this is some crazy person on the other end of this phone. Why do I have to listen to this? <laughs> and yeah, she's probably yeah. seeing like the news that's like talking about rock and roll bands, and the news is probably portraying them yeah. like they're a bunch of wackadoo, long haired hippies and stuff. So, and you know, even her is like having a nice like like she's just, she's a professor and stuff. So she's not she's not you know she's she's smart. She's not like you know. Uh, 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 just, just some like you know, they play her as just like a dumb mom who doesn't know anything, right? And so she and she would be around younger people like her students, and she probably thinks like they're all idiots. Yeah, so she probably sees some kids who talk about rock and roll band and stuff. Like mm-hmm. just because they go to the, the schools doesn't mean like they're just you know listening to church music or anything. So, but yeah, she probably watches every night, and she's probably for all we know, she could be watching like a muted. Uh, radio or uh, a muted news broadcast about bands or something. So she's probably watching, you know, crazy hippie stuff going on. And, and, and now imagine like her son is in the middle of all that. Yeah. She's, you know, she's hearing about the drunken debauchery and like televisions getting yeah. thrown out hotel windows yeah. and, and all that kind of craziness. And she's yeah. just imagining there's no parent. The poor, poor little William caught up into uh, there's that no parent. No one's going to take charge if someone gets hurt. If they're throwing the television out the window, then what are they doing inside the room otherwise? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the news? Oh, no, I'm sorry. We, we threw the, the TV. <laughs> we threw the, the TV. First night. Yeah. So. Bring the pole. Yeah. <laughs> this is the maid speaking, by the way. I just well, love that because it's like yeah. so unnecessary because it's like, and I'm sure they, they, at some point the subject of William's mother has come up. So if they haven't spoken with her before, they would certainly know her by reputation. Um, you know, Penny, I'm sure the band like doesn't really care, but you know, like Penny and Sapphire, they're, they're spending some time together. Like they would know her by reputation, but she, she's not going to come through the phone. She's not going to track you down Sapphire. You're not really in danger, but yet she feels the need <laughs> and just, and, and Elaine doesn't say much just by the way, Elaine is listening. <laughs> <laughs> to what she's saying like she can hear the look on her face and she's like oh i gotta <laughs> I, I need i need i need to give a pseudonym i need a cover story for, for this yeah they you know someone who's you know not gonna come after her doesn't know who she is even if she had her you know her name which i'm sure you know like sapphire is her real name come on right and penny lane isn't penny's real name so but <laughs> this is the maid speaking well, in the line just before that too, I, the, that's more than I've ever even said to my own parents. And and she's all, I mean, just just kind of the motion she gives. I mean, you can't see it through the phone, of course, but we're seeing it, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's, it's she can't, she can't even believe it herself that she's realizing this all of a sudden. I think maybe. Yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of, I guess maybe just because she was so sapphire that she was so caught off guard. You know, the last person in the world she expected to be talking to when she answered the phone was, you know, was Elaine, was William's mother. So that, like, she, you know, she just she didn't have time to be anything but honest or or any kind of person with authority. I mean, otherwise, she Mm -hmm. wouldn't have said, is this Marianne with the pot? Well, yeah, (laughs) I mean, if she'd known, she probably just wouldn't have answered the phone at all, which is what I do. This is why I don't answer the phone. (laughs) I just I don't I don't want to take that chance. That's the lesson here. Yeah, I mean, she knows probably when, you know, the mother has no respect for her, but she's like, I'm going to, though, give you some honest respect. You were actually a great mom because your kid, like, is probably, is probably the most professional, you know, of, of all of us. And he's right. clearly years yeah. younger than us, you know, stuff like that. 
Yeah, he he's very out of the picture. I mean, in real life, I think he kind of I think he kind of was, but then there's really hardly even anything mentioned about him either. Is there anyone else in the household that she would talk to? Like, would she talk to? Like, no. At this point, yeah, she's she's essentially for the for the period of this uh, of this tour, however long it's supposed to be going on, is is very up for the debate. I would say because it keeps kind of getting extended and extended in a sense. But um, there's no siblings. Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah, she's by herself. Her, her other kid, she, you know, the, the the older daughter, you know, left home at age uh-huh. 18-ish, I believe, you know. Yeah, she's a stewardess, flight attendant, yeah. uh, the older sister. So she's she's off seeing the world in her way. Yeah. And William's off and mom's left home alone. Wow, that sounds like a good a good title for a movie. Yeah. Home Alone. Someone should do that. Get on in Hollywood. <laughs> And then, so, what do you think? A couple hours flash, we pass by, now we're at the pool party. Because clearly, like, it looks like, because Penny's changed clothes. Sapphire's mm-hmm. still wearing the, the frill outfit, but... Um, well, they even went to, between the last time we saw, Pe- between the last time we saw Penny, and, and now, it's been the, the radio show, even, too. Well, I mean, I, See, that's, that's, we technically that's saw funny. her in, in that deleted scene, but... Yeah. The, yeah. See, that's funny. Yeah, the fact yeah. that, like, we saw a deleted scene, and then you yeah. say, that's not in this cut of the film. Right. It is kind of weird because, like, it shows more time has passed, but it feels mm-hmm. like that scene to this scene happened almost like, like, <laughs> William is over talking to Penny and was going to talk to Russell. Didn't happen. Then it cuts to Sapphire having the mom talk. Then it cuts to, it feels like that all happened within like an hour. Mm-hmm. But, but, saying, but there's like, an indication that, the, that, that, that they went to this radio okay. interview. But both going out, going you know from it, when when uh, William and is at the hotel room door. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when what yeah, because I mean, we know it's it's his mom. Yeah, because I'm I mean they're door. they're inside, but it's pretty bright. Like I'm a yeah. Oh, actually, you could see through a window. Like it's daytime. Okay. When the beginning of minute forty two, yeah. when mm-hmm. William first goes to try to talk to Russell and gets blocked by uh, gets Mike blocked by Penny. <laughs> And then now out by the pool, it's definitely nighttime. So it's later that that same day, or or after yeah. you know after the radio interview. At minimum, a couple hours, more likely a few. Yeah, but we see like so William is still, yeah. you know, he's still keeping himself separate. He's got to be like professional all the time. That there's the there's the group by the pool hanging out, drinking beers, living you know the rock and roll lifestyle, and then he's off to the side with his. He's got his notepad, his little recorder, and um, and microphone, and everything. He's always he's never off the clock. This guy. Who's the guy on the phone? Is he calling Marianne about the pot? <laughs> <laughs> that's my question. That's, yeah. So, well, that guy. Right. So that's the that's the manager. Okay. Um, Dicky Betts. How yeah. where, where the hell did he get the? Where's, where's the, the phone cord that he well, got yeah. to take it all the way out to the pole? <laughs> I guess they got a really long cord. Does he walk around with like an NFL pool. guy? We're like just yeah. back and forth, like just reeling it. Yeah. He has another guy there to help him hold. Yeah. I have I have a really long couple or a couple, I think. Really long. Old old phone cords handed down from my dad. But would you want to yeah, take the position. phone out to the, yeah. the you couldn't have a good conversation? <laughs> people there's like eight people around you, yeah. all like laughing, smoking, drinking. And if you're the producer trying to organize stuff, you'd be like, I gotta step away, like at least like 
make if you're gonna make a, you know an actual call, especially after that radio show, I feel like he should be making a call, like <laughs> like, like a like back to either the radio show, be like, you know what, like uh, you know, I didn't really go great with that radio DJ. I wouldn't. Th- I don't think you should really play that again. Like just just <laughs> just delete the tape. Like don't because yeah. you're a you have to censor a lot of it, and b like yeah, no actual music knowledge was given out. Like really, it's just whole bunch of nonsense so it's like that's why i feel like he should be calling the radio uh the manager there and be like yeah your dj kind of fell asleep on us and our guys kind of took hold of the show and kind of went a little south so maybe just we just x the whole thing <laughs> kind of, you know yeah you don't want to you know what i'm saying is you don't want to like a fcc or something to like come down and you'd be like oh this band was talking on the radio you don't want that getting out and the radio show probably doesn't want it out either so just yeah. x never talk about it Dunzo. Like if, you, if you're there and you listened on the, in the middle of the night, congrats. Otherwise, <laughs> um, pr- pretty much right away in in this with this uh, party going on, essentially poolside party. You know, I, I think we can even see maybe the person that they're what Cameron Crowe is wanting to be the person saying talking, saying this. You know, can, you know, it's a it's a it's a request. It's maybe not said with the right tone but can you please hold it down um yeah i was wondering that's, about that that's line. yelled at them yeah and they're all sorry uh, you know uh, sorry you know kind of. but like don't take a not don't really take a phone call in the middle of a party not, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like he's the one yeah. he's the one I, that should be saying hey guys can you hold this down I'm... <laughs> he you know that's how i'd be like i'd like just go go with like take the phone call in a phone yeah. booth or something like go where people take phone calls in the 70s <laughs> Um, yeah well though it can't be in uh, going back to that the can you please hold it down line it looks like there's some other people like it's not like just like it's 2 a.m and the band and the groupies the only people there it looks like there's Mm -hmm. some other people milling around the pool i mean if you're a young person and like a band is at near the pool aren't you be like i'm gonna try to hang out with them like you like i'm gonna try and like get friendly with them so i can get some of the free booze and and yeah they probably probably know where the good things are so (laughs) In the credits, <laughs> she's credited as Quiet Girl. And this is apparently Kate Peckham. And this is like the biggest she's, the biggest thing she's ever done as far as, you know, the actual movie, how well it's did and so forth. And it didn't even do that well. But, but um, uh, I mean, it went on. It certainly won, won, its, won, won, won the one Oscar for Crow himself and a few other nominations. But, um but 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 quiet girl is odd because it's you know I, I really yeah I, I don't expect her to be a girl. <laughs> she, I would think she'd be a woman of say Elaine's age or maybe even older. That oh wow! Doesn't Why want to partake I, herself. I, I didn't actually understand when you guys were saying like they were telling to keep it down. I was like, what are you talking about? I literally was like, oh, like I was catching the fact that she was there's a woman in the back yelling, "Can you keep it down?" I didn't yeah. get that. <laughs> I was so focused on just like the band and the music that I, I was like them, not paying attention, yeah, not to paying attention, right. yelling across the pool, can you keep it down. Because that's what, yeah. like, realistically, like, I don't know. I, you've been to hotels, probably on some family trips, maybe mm-hmm. like in your travels. I've never seen a full-on party happen by the pool. I've seen a few quiet people. I've seen families and like their loud kid, but yeah, I've never seen a full-on yeah. actual booze, booze and drug party. I mean, like, I feel like nowadays, no, I think. Like, like as soon as that happens, hotels are probably like telling you like not back then, probably. But 
Meanwhile, uh, Kate Hudson co- contractually obligated to show her belly button any scene, every scene. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Rolling down Highway 41. Um, and, and, and it's interesting, again, like, it's her look and then cuts to Williams' look. So it's like, even me, only watching two minutes, I'm like, yeah, clearly Williams got a crush on uh, on Penny, like I don't, I didn't see any of this film, and I mean, like how the editing is showing. It's like, cut to her, she looks over, cut to him reacting, you know. Yeah. And then, then we see the distance, <laughs> like he was looking at her from a distance. It wasn't even like he was over there. He was like, kind of not saying odd. He's like he's but, creeping. He's like he's like behind yeah, right. the bushes, like looking yeah. through leaves. Yeah, he's <laughs> being a creep. Yeah, because Billy Crudup character here. He's got a drink. He's got a guitar. He co- he doesn't want to party with them just yet. He's kind of like prop in the middle, probably you know doing a little writing or diddling a little dilly on the in a guitar or something. Some little yeah. Thing. I was wondering like why has he got the guitar out? I guess he's probably working on a song or something in the room. Yeah, I was thinking that, or he's—it's maybe a, a, he's doing it as a relaxation rather than like partying it up. He's probably maybe trying to calm down after the radio thing, like mm-hmm. trying to calm his nerves because of this, you know, this deleted scene that's not canon, but in my head now I've seen it, so I'm thinking about it. Like I'm thinking about the character, thinking about it. So he's probably like, all right, we got a little, we got a little fresh with each other. I want to, you know, I want to go. I don't want to go to bed angry, so I'm gonna have a drink and I'm just gonna play my little acoustic guitar. Now I'm not gonna make a racket. And then William clearly finds. Is this Ru- is this Russell? Is this Russell? Okay, That's, yeah, oh, yeah, this Russell. is Russell. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So now William's like, perfect. I have him alone. All the ladies are over there. They can't come over and like try to pull him away from me. So this is a perfect time to like get out the mic and everything and like, all right, now let's get down to business. Yeah. And if anything, too, like I mean, he has he has almost ammunition for against Russell now. He's got you know he was there when these guys are kind of getting fresh. And the recording booth, he can easily like kind of use that as like a, as a foot in the door. Like, so about that, why were you know like yeah like about you guys like not saying enough thank you to each other and this and that. how do you feel? But, you know, he can ask a real sharp question like that that can kind of get right in between his uh, Russell's armor. But but he doesn't. I feel like it's kind of like he does ask in this moment. What is it you love about music? <laughs> on the one hand, that's awful. that's a cheesy question. Like that's an awful question. But on the other hand, it's like it's very open ended. So yeah. maybe he's just, you know, to give him benefit of the doubt, he's asking, like, if I just ask, like, this completely generic white bread answer, then whatever flavor Russell brings to it, like, it kind of, you can go anywhere with a question mm-hmm. like that. That's, yeah, maybe that's true. Like, he 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 wants it to be, like, yeah, he doesn't want to hit the hard one right out of the gate. He's softball, and then he's mm-hmm. going to peel back the layers. What do you think about music? And then he's going to say something, and then he's going to go, yeah. about that, and peels another layer back, and another, and then maybe eight levels down, he can ask, you know, you guys were saying about this at the radio. You seem to get upset. Is there something that like you want fans to know about you and your you know, some like real like personal thing? He could, but you're right though. Peel right. back the layers with real softball questions. Warm up Russell, and uh, you know, yeah, because if he comes in like right out of the gate with oh, so 
going on at the radio station and and that stuff, then it's like then Russell's gonna shut down right away. Yeah, get really cold and be like, that's nah, don't worry about that. Don't talk about that. Yeah, he'll just do that and then maybe for all we know, yeah, turn around, go back in the room, close the door, put music on and just, yeah. just and, and you know, um, put his headphones in or something. Yeah. Now this is also you know, so this is our screenwriter, you know, this is the the, the Cameron Crow character. I guess this is like the um not Mary Sue, but like, yeah, so this is the standard for the writer. So, of course, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, he's, he's you know, mature beyond his years and so insightful. So, of course, he's going to start with an easy question to lure his subject into trusting him before he moves to the harder stuff. Mm. When, and, you know, was he, was he, you know, was he that good an interviewer at 15? I'm probably not, but I mean, he, he, wherever he started from, he made it to the point where, his movie's getting made, so he did something right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I remember, like, the old school... I mean, we can't see it because in, it's in his bag, but, like, the old school tape recorders with the little external mic um, that's got to sound like crap. But this is, you know, this is for a magazine story. He's just recording so he can transcribe it into his notes later, but... Um, he's not podcasting. Yeah, he's, he's not, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But if it, you know, if it was nowadays, yeah, he would be. And hopefully he would have a better mic while doing it. I was about to look. Um, yeah, Cameron Crowe. Like, I, I was like, yeah, I haven't heard of you know, what he's been up to in a while. And yeah, he's pretty much like he's gotten out of like movie, movie business. He's kind of doing documentary. So I guess he's just he's getting he's, right now. He's in a vibe where he's just like doesn't need to tell a fictionalized version. He just kind of wants to get the last thing he did was pre- looks like a, a yeah, David Crosby documentary. Yeah, which I did go to the theater and see mm-hmm. here in town. So, our little local indie theater. Um, excellent, excellent picture, you know, documentary. So, we bought a zoo. Do you think, like, he bought a zoo at some point yeah. so he could do a movie about it? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he bought a zoo. Yeah. Like, you never told me that. You're like, he you followed bands, you know, there's a lot about music. He bought a zoo, you know. He, he, he went undercover at high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He did 21 Jump Street essentially before it was <laughs> 21 Jump Street, but he didn't look for drugs. He just I, I don't even want to know what uh, what documentary style stuff he did for Vanilla Sky. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I put people in comas. I made them get real crazy, and I would just analyze them. And I said, who's the most attractive man I could do it? I was like, oh, just get Tom Cruise and, uh, you know, Kurt Russell in that movie too? Ooh. Yeah, it was. Kurt Russell was in it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's doing what I would do. There you go. Just you want to you just want to hang out with Kurt Russell? Yeah. You just want to hang out with Kurt Russell. I can't blame. I can't blame Cameron for that. Um. Uh, so there is a, a very, 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 very small uh, deleted uh, line essentially here at the beginning of this, where uh, Russell says, "They say you're dangerous. You see everything. Most people are just waiting to talk, but you listen." Wait, that's a lyric you're saying? No, that's that's a that's a line of dialogue that uh, is here at the beginning of this little uh, exchange. He's saying that's pretty close. To oh, is that yeah. Russell saying that Between to them. William? Yeah, yeah Russell. He, saying he's dangerous out. because he's listening. And like I said, you know, they, the, the the band essentially. I mean, it's mainly Jason Lee is is the main uh, Jeff Beebe is the character's name. Uh, saying, calling, coming up with the enemy and mm-hmm. and then then rest that's of the band. Really hyperbole, you know, like. What kills me is like it's like William probably likes like all right. How is this thing? Uh, when we yeah. introduced William early in this movie, 
did he say like does he say specifically like, i love bands i love music or is it more like i'm just a journalist and this is just coincidentally you know something that's you know i can handle the very first time uh uh they call him the enemy just jeff Beebe, jason lee's character and william has just introduced himself to the band as being from cream the, the magazine cream i'm a journalist i'd like to do a story on you and that so that wasn't the story that you know what they end up doing after he gets a call from Rolling Stone and fakes his way into that. But he's legitimately, you know, gone to, you know, uh, talked with Lester Bangs, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character from Cream, um, and gotten this, gotten the assignment to, to do, a, to do a story on Black Sabbath. So he's there at the Black Sabbath concert where it's, it's Stillwater as well, uh, performing at, and, uh, he approaches them mm-hmm. at one point. It definitely like the, the, and at first, there he's he's the enemy, but then but then he does ingratiate himself to them. So I just think I should he, such he, he he shows them that he's a fan. Yeah, I just I think it's just weird to say that you're the enemy. It's like <laughs> it means you no harm. He wants to tell your story. Like if anything, you're scared of yourself. Yeah, and you're scared yeah. of like what dark oh, truth yeah. you're going to say about yourself that you're scared of people learning. Like that's. That's your enemy. It's clearly yourself that you're like, you want to just hide away with, with just like, listen to my music and, and listen to that and don't think too much about it. And it's like, you ask a question, you go, oh, you're the enemy. Yeah, man. Like, I'm asking you, why'd you write that line? Why'd you say that song that way? Why'd you release, you know, like, was it important when you put the songs in this order on the album? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, there's a thought process there, whether you know it or not, or it's subconscious. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's, I mean, I think it would be clear to them, or at least could be clear to them, that he, he well, there's got to be an interest in music because if he just wants to be a journalist, like this is early seventies. There's Vietnam, yeah. There's civil rights movement. There's like you know now there's uh, the women's rights movement. There's like so much else going on. Like if you wanted to make your bones as a journalist, like you know, go find out you know what's Nixon up to, and you know, yeah. there's burglars breaking into the you know democratic headquarters at the watergate hotel like there's there's stuff going on if you want to be a journalist and want to be writing about stuff and like why would you choose music yeah you know like why why do we choose movies yeah i think because we like movies it's not like oh i want to be a pop and i I pulled movies out of the hat it's like well no i was talking about thing more with uh, and i think that's the big thing with william is that he likes music more than he likes writing yeah but, so uh, even if he's no, not no, particularly, no, you know, he's, music. Yeah, he's, he's not coming in. It's not like he's coming in. Like I'm the world's biggest Stillwater fan yeah. and that's why I'm going to follow him around. But there's an interest in music. And so I think there can be a presumption that he's going to, you know, he's not looking to, you know, be, you know, get into gotcha journalism and, and, and find some way to you know to make them look bad or, or kind of twist their words but at the same time he is he do, I, he sees himself as a journalist who's interested in music and, and we can see in, in the response and it's kind of um a little uh, i don't know if naivete maybe you know a little naivete certainly some some innocence in russell's statement to be like you know hey just just make us look cool which i'm sure like every musician ever who's ever spoken with a journalist, like at the bottom, like that's what they want. Yeah. But they, I'm assuming most of them won't come out and say it. 
And then William's response is very telling where I will quote you warmly and accurately. So he's not, you know, he's not saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm taking you down. I'm taking you down still water. Like he's not being antagonistic, but he's also not saying, well, I'm going to, I'm on your team and I'm going to do what it takes to make you look good. He's like, you know, if you look good, then you look good. If, you know, if you look bad to me, then that'll come through in the story. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be accurate. All right. This is the thought I had. This is a good one. You're sitting down for this one. Okay. So yeah, sitting down. (laughs) So when you brought that up, that, that there's other issues going on. If, if, yeah, if there was a journalist following you, and you were abandoned in this timeline, I wouldn't call him the enemy. I would call him as like the soapbox. Cause like you could use him if you had a real thought about, you know, society, if you had a really thought about the war, about government, you could talk now. Now maybe like he, you know, he wants to keep it based on music, but you could, you know, if you didn't want to talk about anything personal, you could talk about that and stuff. So like to, ha- mm-hmm. to say like, he's the enemy and like, you know, be hesitant to talk to him and be like, no, like I would, I'm sure you're a young person who's on the road and you're thinking about the stuff. You're thinking about like people your age that are like dying in a country far away. You're thinking about people who are your age and they're not getting the same rights because of some, you know, antiquated, you know, racist, um, you know, uh, mandate by a state. So plenty of things to talk about. And then, uh, you know, come back to us. Like, yeah, why do we talk about movies? I think the same reason, the same reason people like, like having um, book clubs, now, book clubs, you're reading a book that's from a one person perspective about a certain story, whether it be true or not. And then a book club talks about what that one person thought about that thought. Mm-hmm. Whereas movies are a real collaborative process. Hundreds of people are involved. There's a guy who wrote a story. There's a lady that recorded this. There's a, another per, you know, there's a guy over here. There's a lady over here that recorded here. There's all these people that did all these little jobs. And so, like, you know, though there's a screenwriter, there's a director, there's a camera operator, there's an editor, there's a few people that, you know, they have big focus jobs. It's a big collaborative effort. And I think that's why another reason why we love talking about it, because there's a lot of theories, a lot of thoughts, like almost every minute that we could discuss. Where a book, you have just text on words and the order that they're said. We have text, <laughs> we have text on, on paper that's set in an order. We have uh visual scenes that show a certain angle we have you know scenes that were not there that were there in a later cut or there that maybe would have helped something or would have proved a point so if a journalist came and was interviewing us at one of our meetup groups i mean i couldn't see them as the enemy i'm like unless they came from like some some website that just straight up hates podcasts like just hates the concept of them. I can't see, yeah, seeing a journalist like that and being, uh, you know, so uh, just offensive with the naming. That's all. I think that's why it's, it's up in my crawl is like calling him the yeah. enemy. Or it's like, nah, man. Like you have an opportunity. Don't waste this kid's time because he mm-hmm. he'll probably do a he'll probably do a really a decent fluff piece about you, make his bones, and then get like Rolling Stones to you know give him another part or another paper to give him another thing. Like he'll. He'll be fine. I'm sure William's not going to turn in a half-assed uh, interview. He'll he'll have to flourish some things, or he'll have to you know c- cut it real short. It won't be as big as he wants, but you're only helping yourself if you want to tell him the truth. You know, separate yourself from the next band that gets put on the 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 article or gets on the cover. Because I feel like that's what these bands, a lot of these bands, are thinking right now. Like you know, 
like our thoughts and are they separate from a different band's thoughts and you know because there's a lot of those things are running around they're, they're watching the same news or listening to the same broadcasts you know uh, uh, you know whether it be protest marches or yeah or uh you know what families or you know loved ones mm-hmm. are dying so it's just weird that's all that's, all, that's just it's just weird that you're telling me this that like you know <laughs> was it jason lee's character Bebe, right yeah right yeah jeff right. bb um, he's, well, he's up his own. He's up his own butt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Th- th- you know, and, and he's and he's given at least a partial kind of interview where he's he's definitely you know doing his thing that <laughs> that is kind of yeah up his own butt. Um. Uh. But uh, you know, that's not the real interview that William wants too. He kind of knows Russell is the gold, so to speak. Um. And you know that that uh that's that's what william's been after he he's he even at some point says you know he kind of wants to interview with have the interview with russell first and then 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 go to the other characters or other band members that is. maybe that's why bb is upset is because like that lead scene yeah. says he started the band and then kind of uh-huh. answered an ad but russell seems to be the front man now so i maybe he's right. he's angry that like william's gonna get russell's pov and then it's just everything's gonna be biased to that pov uh-huh. there's definitely layers to that that conflict between yeah between the band and the journalist and then between the different members and how they individually get expressed and you know and, and their ability to and it's tough because he's embedded it's not like for like the for like a trip to the radio station it's like okay can you behave and act like a human for an hour or half hour, whatever, and, and make a good impression for this interview. Whereas this guy's embedded on tour 24 seven. Um, and you can see like they, they could, you know, they could, they couldn't really behave just for the radio interview. So certainly asking them to present any kind of front for a journalist that's going to be, you know, with them on the road, they're just not, they're not able to do that. Even if it, you know, I don't even know what it occurs to them to even try, but mm-hmm. so they're going to, they're not going to, you know, they're, they're relying on, they're relying on the journalist, you know, to make them look cool. And if they make a fool of themselves at some point, you know, hopefully that's off the record, but they don't really know. This is essentially the same equivalent of like a, a reality show where it's like, if you're on, if you're on a set yeah. for a little bit in front of a camera and it's edited, you're, you know, you're fine. But then, you know, with that whole thing with those reality shows, everyone got hung up on for all, you know, and we still get hung up on, there's still shows like, you know, mm-hmm like a big brother and survivor where it's just like the cameras on them for so long. And then they're going to forget about them for a while. And then they're going to get upset and they're going to, they're going to get real as the real put it. Stop being, stop being real. Stuff <laughs> stop like that. being real. Well, you know what listeners, I know that free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better through the Pantheon network. And this show almost famous minute at Adam and Eve, you get to select almost any one item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Just make sure you enter offer code AFMPOD at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. You can get a sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And on top of all that, you also get six free spicy movies. Yeah, that's right, movies. I know you all like movies because you listen to this podcast about the movie Almost Famous. Finally, you also get free shipping. That's right. Can't do better than that. 
That's AFMPod, A-F-M-P-O-D, at adamandeve.com. Just type in AFMPOD at checkout. It's all happening. It's all happening. Um, there, there is the uh, the music that comes in this minute. Now we actually, I kind of missed uh, getting any little extra talk about any little takes from from the from the la- at the very beginning of the last minute was the guess who their song Albert Flasher that was finishing. You know, we heard very little of that and, and through the door even too. So definitely that was definitely very very diegetic, and I, I'm pretty sure this is too. Uh, Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Either of you have any thoughts on this song, say, of the two? Are you saying like, well, I was curious, like, does does these characters in this movie, do they really, do they talk about the other bands of the time? Like, do they kind of judge yeah, themselves well, upon, like, we think we're better than this band or we strive to be as good as that band? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say necessarily... Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, th- they definitely have reference to Zeppelin with and and, and calling out uh, Page and Plant um, coming up here shortly. Actually, even um, uh, in a few minutes. Um, but uh, you know, and and Skinner's music is used here. Um, Almond Brothers' music is was used a bit uh, uh, a few minutes ago. Um, out of the four that that I've, I've been I've, I've been big on, um, Eagles are the one that's kind of uh, not any any direct references. Interestingly, I think, um, and, and and other people too. I mean, they, they, I think they've even they, they they definitely even reference Beatles later, as well. You know, I think and and, and even sing sing they they sang one song already that that had been like out like three or four years prior, um, and and they'll sing another song at a key point. That was popular. I'm still hung up on the interviewing process here. Like William, yeah. you know, because he says, "Put down the mic." I tell you something honestly, and then pretty much just goes, "Just yeah." Then he just like caves and goes, "Just make it look nice." And you know, I, I feel like hit William, you know, saying that I will quote you, yeah, him, w- w- you know, warmly is him going like, "Can you stop wasting my mf and time?" Like I feel like that's what that's William the nicest way of saying like, like I put away the mic. I thought you were going to actually tell me something that I wasn't expecting, and be like, "Yeah, that." Um, he really should have Russell sit down. Take the guitar off because I think he's in my mind using the guitar as a uh, as a shield now. He's using the shield because at any point he could just be like, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, like this song," and he like does a little ditty. It's like, no, sh- stop playing the music. Just talk about the music. Even the beer. Maybe he's like, maybe this is like his third beer in. Is why he's like feels like he's got liquid courage enough to talk to William right now at night, like after the fact. But yeah, like really, really, William, what he should do is like sit them down on some those beach chairs, like far away from the pool, but not in the not in the room. Like, don't get him in the room. Keep him outside and relaxed. Don't keep him in the in the in the room because if he's in the room, he could probably just tell William to leave. You know, mm-hmm. like oh, I'm tired. Can you just leave? And then he, you know, then then William politely will leave. So I feel like William should find a way to get Russell sit down on one of these like plastic lawn chairs away from the band, but you're close enough to them to feel comfortable and we're in public. So it's like, we're not going to say or do anything weird. And now let's talk about some introspective stuff about being in this band. So it's like, you know, step one, got him away from the, the groupies. Good. Step two is get him, get him to put the guitar down and just sit there like a man rather than like as a rock star. 
just you know where he like oh i got my guitar you know that's anyway, that's that's my thought what do you think sean <laughs> i mean it, it's, it's gonna be tough for william to make them look cool and at least you know he's been william's been observing like kind of the whole scene but in terms of one-to-one interaction it's been it's been russell dodging you know dodging him the whole yeah. time really kind of avoiding talking to him and it's um and like i think he you know he knows enough to know that's not that's not really going to do it as a story yeah. like he's not he's not a, a hunter thompson type type like 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 you know hunter wouldn't even would like ignore the band be like okay i'm like the story is going to be about the scene and the crazy adventures and uh-huh. sex drugs and rock and roll and everything and like everything but the band and that's just not that's not William's style. That's not the type of journalist that he wants to be and the story he wants to write. Like he wants to write about these guys and know like, you know, what is it about the music? Like what are the themes that you want to put? Like what do you what do you want the listener to feel? What do you want your audience to feel when they listen to your music? Like that's the kind of stuff he wants to get into. And that's also the only you know, the only way he's gonna get that is if they talk to him. And they, I was, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you: Do you think William, if he had his way, would like to have like a cameraman behind him? Like, do you think William would like, even if he couldn't record them on audio, to at least get like, you know, just get like, because you know, William is seeing things that people aren't seeing, but he mm-hmm. can also show them things that you don't see on the road. Like, you know, people buy a pool party and oh, okay, but there could be certain things like certain like little looks and certain, certain there's little eccentricities <laughs> that. Uh, that's done. That's done in this movie with, with Polaroids. Okay, perfect. There's there's Polaroids that are taken throughout, and you just not not in these two okay. movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad because I feel like William in the back yeah. of his head is like, I mm-hmm. want there to be, uh, uh, some kind of visual medium. I want the, these people to sure. see stuff that I because I can't re- I can't record audio what I'm seeing. I just can't. Mm-hmm. So tells you put away the mic. Now this is lost. This is now lost. You know, outside of my memory. Yeah, um, I think that that. That could be a double-edged sword because on the one hand, yeah, to go back and actually sit down and write my article in addition to my notes, in addition to my recordings, like being able to reference, have a visual reference that I can work off. On the other hand, people play to the camera. Like particularly if you're talking about video, like it'd have to be like if there was some kind of hidden like security cam footage that he could work off for the story, that'd be great. If there's a cameraman for him, these guys would be would be goofing off for the camera the whole time and you wouldn't get you wouldn't get any honesty you wouldn't get any truth mm. because they'd be acting you know as soon as the camera goes up um yeah no th- then point. it becomes yeah then it becomes all about the camera and it's not yeah. real anymore yeah you don't think about the audio mic probably sometimes i mean like yeah. we sometimes forget you know and when we're podcasting we're like I will be looking at the scene. I'm not looking at the microphone to talk, you know? Yeah. Um, Although maybe they forget about it. Like if you, I've seen interviews with people that have been on like things like Survivor and Big Brother where they say, yeah, like the first day or so, you know, you, you, you're you very, uh, you, you know, you're very um, aware. Yeah. But since it's there 24-7, eventually it fades in the background. And then it becomes like, like Meerkat Manor where yeah. it's just like, oh, the, you know, those meerkats have been around cameras um you know by the by the time it makes it like the the show if you've ever watched the show meerkat manor like those are like third and fourth generation where like their parents grew up with cameras always being around so it's just part of 
that's why they can kind of get so close because it's it's part of the territory. It's like just part of the landscape for them. Like their whole lives, there's just been like these trees that walk around as far as they know. And, you know, for us, we know oh, the trees are people who are carrying cameras, but they don't interact with the meerkats in any way. Mm-hmm. So it's just part of the landscape. So like maybe if, if, if there was a camera there, like maybe by the third or fourth stop of the tour, they would just kind of be used to it and they'd forget about it. But yeah, but maybe not. I, I, yeah, I, there's a lot of reality shows where you don't know if the producer editor, like I, I love watching Bar Rescue, and I like to believe yeah. that the cameras when they catch these people doing something that's not a good mm-hmm. being a big good good bartender or being a good server, I hope that's real, and I hope that like the producers would say, oh, can you act like a real pain in the butt here so like we have evidence of it? I like to believe mm-hmm. that like they install those cameras and they have the camera crews following them because apparently that's what it is. They go to a town and they'll tell like. You know, they'll pick like 10 bars and then they'll tell those 10 bars like, hey, we're recording like there's a chance that John may come by and like talk to you. But like Mm -hmm. and so it says like you're one of a lot. So don't feel pressured. And then I think they follow them probably for a while. And then, you know, and then like, yeah, then long enough for those people to mess up so they can see, look how they're pouring or look how they're treating the staff or, you know, look at like the amount of money it's being long. You know, whereas you're right, probably, yeah, a couple days for a couple weekends of, uh, couple shifts they don't think about or they 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 think too much about and they're trying to be nice and then yeah they they slip up and then and then john's like yeah shut it down classic john yeah i mean of course this you know we know well except for dave something happens later much later with with the band and and their relationship with william oh uh... jeez oh boy (laughs) (laughs) um but you know we'll we'll talk about that when it you know what happened yeah I think that's a good segue to if if you guys kind of have gone over the felt feel like you've talked about this minute enough, you know, um, we can we can get uh, Sean and Dave's both both their takes of their history with this movie. Now we know Dave doesn't have any, but <laughs> I, I think uh, he, he could have, you know, couple couple ideas. Maybe it'd be interesting, uh, you know, yeah, where he thinks it's kind of going or not, what have you. But but you know, remember it's kind of it's somewhat autobiographical. Of Cameron Crowe, so I mean, yeah, sh- sh- certainly yeah, he's molded it. He's trying to make it into a story that makes that has a good story to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not just uh, documentary style. Dave's like those those archaeologists or the yeah. paleontologists. Oh, yeah. They like they find one little bone, <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, this is this is the like you know this is the third bone from the pinky toe of like a brontosaurus. Like there's this huge dinosaur that we've mapped out from this like three inch or this two inch little bone. Like Dave, you know, Dave's seen two minutes and he scripted out like two sequels in addition to the movie itself. already. No, honestly, thank you for that praise. I I really thank you for that praise. And I will say, this is why though, when I'm watching a movie, like I'm watching a new movie in theaters or something, or I'm watching a part of a sequel or a franchise and, you know, they have characters and they just do something that's so out of character. It bothers Mm -hmm. me to no end because i'm just like you i did not see any evidence or setup like of you doing the you went left instead of right like like you went left just so i will go he went left like there's just like you know there's no evidence of it and that's what bugs me it's like when if you're saying oh dave looks like dave saw this movie i'm like no i just you know patterns i just see patterns and i I follow those patterns so So yeah so on the one hand i would i would you know, 
I would recommend like you see this movie because I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, I so I would say you should check it out. But on the other hand, it's like you've kind of, <laughs> you've kind of already seen it because they you know they do the things that make sense and the characters act in a way that's consistent with with their characters which are all things of a good movie but because they they act logically you know within each character's own personal logic and kind of their personality you you've kind of predicted everything that they've done and will do so um so I, I yeah yeah so my my history I don't think I don't think I've seen this in the theater but mm. um but certainly pretty soon afterwards on 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 home video with someone who's like kind of you know into music and rock and roll and stuff and and certainly um a lot of bands like from this frame like early 70s classic rock um or you know kind of an interest of mine so uh yeah i enjoy it i mean i've seen it a bunch of times it's one of those things it's it's not um you know if, if i'm walking by a tv and it's on, i'm flipping through and i see it's on like i'll check out it certainly you know every time i see it i'll check out a few scenes um because it is it is it is really good it's it's well made i mean we know um or i know kind of cameron crow by reputation what he's done and that's kind of like he's a guy who kind of um you know i i would consider him a good writer and and a good character so kind of like what they do in the interactions it all kind of makes sense um so it's not you know it's not one of those things where it's like oh they go left just because Every you know because oh everyone was expecting you to go right so well yeah because everything that character has done and said like their personality says go right so you know sometimes people do the predictable thing because people are predictable sometimes yeah I I think I think yeah a lot of times I think when it comes to writing stories they're scared about the conflict they're making like like, oh it's too predictable like yeah why don't they go right well they make a a reason a scene where the characters they sit down and go okay the problem looks like we got to go left or right. I see the reason right, but let's. But what about left? You know, they talk about left, so when they go left. You go okay. Well, they discussed it. It they problem mm-hmm. solved it, and then you're you, and then you're happy that you engage. You feel like you engage with the characters, and then you know they go, they went left, and like I, they made a good reason for going left, rather than just being like we're going left because the, the director knew that the fans love going right, <laughs> and we're just gonna go left on them. Come yeah. Back well, and also the I, I really like this cast. I mean, I haven't seen too much of of Patrick of the guy who's playing William. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I've seen anything of the other stuff that they've been in. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, Francis McDormand obviously is great. Kate Hudson. I, you know, I know Jason Lee from the the Kevin Smith movies that he's been in, Mallrats and so forth. Like he's always fun to watch. Feruza Balk is is one of like she's on the short list of if she's in it, I'll watch it. You know, Kate, Kate Hudson's fun to watch. Like, I, I really, I like the the, the cast um, that they have. Billy Crudup, he's like one of those, like, like you know, he's those that guys, but he's his name just hasn't made like water cooler conversations yet. You know, yeah, he's one of those guys that I'm like, he he kind of should be his most famous role like, is a CGI character, which stinks. Yeah, like, but he should, oh, wow, he should kind of. It's not him. It's just so much CGI lighting on him. Yeah, but he should kind of be more famous. Like I feel like he's not really famous. He's almost famous. He's almost yeah, <laughs> famous. There you go. <laughs> um, but the, and yeah, the, I mean, and then the supporting cast like Philip C- Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman, and then you'll get to talk about um, Mission Possible Three, like. Uh, but no, I was thinking like Mark Marin and his yeah, scene. I'm looking forward to that. And, and Jimmy Fallon, um, too. Which is small stuff. And yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Get, I mean, Mitch Hedberg, you know, kind of shows up at one point. I mean, oh, so these guys are in it? Very small. But yeah. yeah. So, the, yeah, I mean, like, 
just mm. the different people they kind of okay. come in contact with on tour. Yeah, so I mean, there's yeah. some super small cameos, but they're still yeah. We just a few weeks ago we had Eric Stone Street. I mean, that was way before <laughs> Modern Family, but yeah, yeah. You know. And I would definitely put it, and I was kind of thinking about this recently, of like. Like, what's is there some objective measure I can put to like what's a good movie and what's a bad movie? And obviously, some point is 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 subjective of like, do you like horror movies or not? You know, and what's your personal taste? But I think objectively, we'd say like, do, do you know, does a movie does it hold up and not necessarily watching it one minute at a time the way do we do, but repeated viewings does it get better or does it get worse? And even yes. a bad movie can get better when you mm-hmm. kind of look, Oh, what's going on in the background? Kind of what's, you know, what, what's happening. And is there, you know, can you dig in? And I would say this by that measure, this is a good movie. Like this is a movie that if the more you watch it, it's going to get better. You're going to yes. find more details and, and more things going on that you don't necessarily, that may not occur to you just on that first viewing. Mm-hmm. And so by that measure, I would say this is a good movie. Yeah, I got. I mean, these two minutes, I'm like, this is. I, I, I can see like why you would do a podcast about it and why people would would talk. About this movie, this is a good movie. Yeah, yeah especially, especially yeah. nowadays, it definitely feels like there are corporations and companies putting the movie out just to get a opening weekend box office or an international box office, and then mm-hmm. that's it. And I don't think fans are going to come back to it. Like, I don't know the new Terminator Dark Fate by this point is coming out. I don't know if it's going to really. Even with like Linda Hamilton and Arnold Schwarzenegger, I really don't know if it's going to mean much in the long term for Terminator fans. It's like we got two amazing films and then a lot of they don't want to make an ending. They just want to keep making <laughs> a sequel that has no real ending. It's like, like they're scared. Like they're scared of, of ending the story. Like that's what they're scared of. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, that would I would define that as a bad movie. It's a movie that just wants to be a middle child. It doesn't want to it doesn't want to going in new places it just wants to tell a similar story over and over again get you in the seats and and not really promise that ending and that and that's really related a lot to the you know the idea of comic books yeah too, right you know it's just a bunch of metal stories what what and that's a good question you know it's, it's a good point you brought up eric is that is that we watch these marvel movies and none of them really have an ending i mean mm-hmm. the only time we had an ending is what we feel now is at end at Endgame, where it's just Endgame, like yeah. a lot of things happened, and this is definitely a book was closed. There were characters that went, there were characters that suffered, that strived, and even though there's going to be some actors that are going to make a sequel, you know, they're going to make another Thor, they'll make another like Ant Man and stuff. We just feel like that was an ending, and then we'll have to see what happens now. Like I, I it didn't feel like we were middling. And I think it's really actually is impressive that Kevin Feige and the Marvel crew are able to go. You're gonna watch this one, which is gonna to lead to another one. It's gonna to lead to another one, and they may not all blow your minds with like a story, but you'll be entertained and you'll love it when these characters talk to each other <laughs> and they fight a big villain, big purple villain that snaps. Look at that. We went almost. We went from all, all those famous all the way to the, to amazing to Endgame. Yeah. Um, Dave, did you? I mean, so do you think you'd be interested in seeing the rest of this movie though? I mean, you'd want to watch. The whole, yeah. the whole theatrical cut. Yeah. And then, well, you know, hopefully you like that. And 
and and Sean too. I mean, have you you, you don't think you've seen the the director's cut Untitled? Yeah, like, no, I've I've just seen. I'm assuming like what you know what yeah. HBO would have been running is the yeah, theatrical sure. cut. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's all I've seen. And also, I'll say it's it's a great soundtrack, especially yeah. you know if you're into the music yeah. of the time. Um, that it's yeah you kind of the, the early 70s and it's not just it's it, you know there's you know leonard skinner and guess who but the you know elton john and some other stuff it's not oh, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of like the the range of what rock and roll and pop music was doing at the time well in, in very in the very first few minutes i mean we had uh you know the very you know, very subdued song uh america by simon garfunkel mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 you yeah, too and and, and a little bit of very, very, very diegetic, very muffled in the background at the concert venue of, of Black Sabbath, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the heavy metal progenitors, so to speak, I think. But yeah, uh, I'm so glad to hear Definitely. both of you. You're enjoying, you know, you, you know, you enjoyed doing this couple minutes and, and uh, Dave, especially. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, would, would you guys like to and, and uh, Dave, I guess this time uh, plug away. uh yeah, I mean, right now the only things I'm I'm, I'm really working on as most would be uh, Five Minutes of Mystery. I cover 1999 superhero comedy ensemble Mystery Men, mm-hmm. um, where we talk all about we, we go into detail about superhero films and how you know that movie I feel got a good commentary on the superhero genre before the superhero genre knew what it was. Way overlooked. <laughs> way overlooked. Yeah. Way yeah. overlooked. So that's yeah. I'm trying to uh, trying to get some more episodes. I think. Uh, hopefully by by yeah. this point when we get these these episodes out i will have a couple in the holiday i know when we came back from the summer um things will be a little hectic then i know come holiday there'll be more hectic i'm certain so uh try to get some episodes in the bag uh mm-hmm. for, the, for the listeners so doing that and um i don't know sean what's up we will get the we got we got to do the northwest minute for jim too you know yeah we got north by northwest yeah. uh minute coming up as a yeah community project well we, we got a couple weeks that uh, we'll be doing yeah not sure when that's coming out. I think that's starting January yeah, 2020. But our, our well, but, yeah. I know Jim's Jim's yeah, he's breathing down our necks. He wants us to get it recorded. <laughs> yeah. start. And that's another movie. That's another movie I, I'm going to actually have to see. I can't. Oh, I really okay. can't wow. do it. Just a, oh, I'll just watch a few minutes and figure it out. I, like, I really got to do. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. A lot of great stuff you guys are both doing. Uh, you told us a little bit about last week, uh, Sean, and this this day, uh, Dave. Um, another thing I need to add is that, uh, I, this show is part of, as well as, uh, feels like Queezer is part of the Pantheon rock and roll podcast network. So find a lot of other, uh, similar, uh, rock and roll related, uh, uh, podcasts there at Pantheon. Um, and of course you can find me also on Facebook. I got my, the page for this show, uh, facebook.com slash almost famous minute. And this, the Listener Society called uh, the Band-Aids Listener Society uh, Facebook group that everyone can come in and we can talk together about these minutes. Um, so, uh, guys, uh, Sean and Dave, thanks so much. And and who knows, maybe maybe if Dave does watch the movie and, and he could even come back on for another minute or two or something later on. Sean, too. You know, you're both welcome. You got more slots open and... And I'm taking I'm at this point I'm taking it on week by week basis, so I'm yeah. I'm in the long haul for another like year and a half out from here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> well done. we'll yeah, we'll see how you know 
how Dave's opinion evolves yeah. after he sees the whole thing. Or... Oh, okay. That'd be really cool to get that. Yeah. But yeah, thank you. Well, th- thank you very much for having us on. It was great. Yes. Uh, great talking about this movie. Good, good couple of minutes. Um, so we'll be back next week for minute 44. Until then, it's all happening. It's, it's all, all happening. happening. Did, I, did I do it right? <laughs> Is it happening? Did it happen? What's I happening? don't know. I hope it's happened. Right. I hope it continues to happen. You know? Yeah. No one talks about if it's still happening. I am a golden god! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.